The Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. OTAs in full swing. It's football season. I'm, I've been just mowing through this gallery on Steelers.com from the OTA pictures from day four. God, it gets me so excited. It gets me so pumped up seeing players in Steelers uniforms down on the south side working out in shorts and t-shirts. God, it just looks awesome. The helmet shots, everything just gets me absolutely ecstatic. We were talking about Ben Roethlisberger a little bit on our last episode of Steelers Standard. You can check that out at Steelers.com if you missed it. You can hear Ben Roethlisberger's comments to the media prior to day four of OTAs yesterday and we were just, you know, kind of parsing through some of the stuff that Ben had to say. And uh, the final thing that we really didn't get to touch on, and this will kind of segue nicely into what I want to talk about on this episode, is his opportunity to get here and work with the young guys. Yeah. And he very was just, I could tell how much he valued the chance to be able to come in here during these OTAs to to get, you know, some nice one-on-one work with them and, you know, I know we talked about how you wish that the veterans would have been there with Juju and, and Claypool being in that category as well. But I bet Ben liked those first couple of days is kind of like, uh, you know, he's the camp counselor and he's going to introduce himself to the new <laughs> campers before the uh, the veteran campers show up. Because, you know, I, I, I don't know if you get as much attention as a rookie whenever you've got not to say Najee won't, but maybe a Friermuth won't get as much attention whenever the big boys start rolling into camp. So. Good for Ben to, you know, really start to establish that connection with the new guys on this team. And he very much seems to value that opportunity as well, or else he wouldn't have been at OTAs from day one. And that, right. you know what, we, we kind of throw shots at Aaron Rodgers. and compare. Guarantee Rodgers hasn't shown up to OTAs yet at all. You got to get, and even if quarterbacks, did, we would the, all know about it. Because even be quarterbacks huge... around the league who aren't even making stinks with their organizations, I'm sure haven't all gone to OTAs yet. Credit to Ben for being there from day one when they started these things. Right. And, and, I mean, too, we talked about this the last time with OTAs. I mean, do you really – you know, do you learn a ton in OTAs? No, but I think it's – But you learn a lot more when you're starting quarterbacks there. I guarantee you that. And on top of that, you know, Ben is building a relationship with some younger guys that, I don't know, maybe maybe won't make – or maybe, you know, had an outside chance of making the team, but maybe – Ben throws him the ball a couple times or whatever it is. And, hey, I like that guy. Let's see what he does in camp. You know, I mean, that's the sort of thing that can happen. You can find, you know, a diamond in the rough, I guess, or someone that you could just have your eye on. Obviously, camp is where that gets proven. You know, when you put the shoulder pads on, that's when everything, you know, when, when you know, uh, I guess an infatuation with a player, whether it's proven or, or it's not, that's Comes when out. it, yeah, that's when it's decided. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Ben being there from, from the jump is definitely – um, you know, it's definitely a good thing. I mean, there's nothing bad that can come from it. Um, you know, and especially if he's there and he, he sees a guy that he likes that has an outside shot to make the team, and all of a sudden he be, he makes a team because Ben has a relationship with him and he, he enjoys what he brings to the table. That, that's that's only a good thing. Absolutely, it's a good thing, and it, it's it's wild to think we just talked about the interview he gave um, at his fir- as his first appearance since the playoff loss and. Everything you wanted to hear him to say was said as as the leader. And as you guys pointed out, this was probably the most anticipated interview that we've seen other than Tomlin uh, since that playoff loss. Everyone wanted to hear from Ben and see how he was doing, his opinions of the offseason and, and his expectations for 2021. And he said all the right things, and that's what a leader should do. And if your leader is out there, whether your name is Aaron Rodgers 
or Ben Roethlisberger or even any other quarterback. It doesn't matter. If your quarterback is there, that's leading by example, and that's what Ben is doing. And that's exactly, as a Steelers fan, what you want to see. Well, one guy that's extremely happy to have Ben there, and it seems like one guy that Ben's extremely happy is there, is running back Najee Harris. Uh, I'm sure that he's learning a ton from Ben, and you heard, if you listened to our first episode uh, that we did today at Steelers.com of the Steelers Standard under the podcast page, Ben saying that Najee Harris is working so hard that there was even a time earlier that earlier this week that the running back coach had to say, hey, Najee, I want to go home. Like, can we get out? Days of here? over, buddy. Yeah, I know you're putting in work, but we need you can't burn yourself out, and I'm not going to stay here with you. So, you got to get out of the facility. It's exactly what you want to hear, and it's so refreshing mm-hmm. because the last time the Steelers had high talent, I almost said high price, but Najee isn't high priced yet, but he will be eventually yeah. if he continues to you know grow the way that his potential illustrates he will. But it's nice to have high talent be incredibly humble and i know that you're most likely going to get that humbleness at the very beginning here the first step of a player's career i mean you even you didn't hear Le'Veon bell talk at all when he was a rookie i mean there is a natural humbleness that comes to just be coming into the nfl but mm-hmm. i don't know maybe it's dumb optimism on my part and maybe i'm looking at the glass too half full here but i just feel really good about this guy i think he's got his head on completely straight and you know i don't get me wrong. I think he wants to make money. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong about that. Everybody likes making some right, money. Of course. But I just think that he is a football player, first and foremost, loves the game. And although that paycheck drives him because he wants a better life, he's, I truly believe, driven by being a great football player and establish himself in the top tier as far as running backs in the NFL are concerned. And I mean, that work ethic that Ben illustrated in his talk with the media is only proof of that early on where in the film room constantly he's got to be told when to leave the facility (laughs) and and you know what that also illustrates to me a guy a kid really who recognizes how important he's going to be on this team next year he sits and looks at himself in the mirror and says look i'm a rookie but this offense really is going to flow through me for the most part i have to work three times harder than other rookies out there because i'm coming in and not only am i a starter i'm a focal point on this offense yeah I need to grind and put in the hours necessary to make sure that I'm not behind the eight ball because I got a lot of catching up to do. I mean, yeah, I know there's going to be other rookies starting, mainly probably Kendrick Green and maybe Fryermuth getting a couple snaps here or there. But, I mean, everybody else who's on that offense has been in the league, been there, done that before. I don't mm-hmm. want to be the weak link because I'm not prepared, and that's right. why I think you're seeing him put in these long hours in the film room, on the field, and it's, it's just great to see. It is, and I mean, I, I think like you said, Tom, it, it illustrates a guy that, that understands how important he is and values the fact that, hey, this team used their first overall pick on me, and obviously that means that they think very highly of me. That means that you know I'm probably going to be a focal point of this offense, and he will be a focal point of this offense. But um, you know, when you, when you look at Najee, I mean, it, it's important that obviously he's there and it, all the right things are happening, as you know, as, as Ben illustrated with – you know, him um, being told when to leave the facility and he's putting in a ton of work and we've seen him already building a relationship with Ben, catching passes from him and the, the, the whole thing that PFF joked about, Ben throwing his deep ball and all that. But at the same time, he is building a relationship there. And I think, you know, as we, as we know, this is probably going to be Ben's last year. So, um, you know, it, it's great that he has a relationship there. But again, he's building for himself and building for the future. And as you said, Tom, 
um, building to realize like, hey, I could be possibly be one of the best backs in the league here in, in the next handful of years. And this offense, as you said, is kind of built for me. It's going to flow through me. So I, I you know, if you're if you're Najee Harris, I'm sure he's thinking like, hey, I, I need to be a focal point. I need to work my my rear end off in order to prove that this investment that the Steelers put in me was worth it. Yeah, and this is a guy who was. I mean, the pieces couldn't have come together better. This is a guy who was rough and tough, always pounding, and that's the style of running back the Steelers always want. Yes, they enjoyed the Willie Parker. Yes, they enjoyed the this the burst that Anthony McFarlane could provide. But this is Le'Veon Bell. This is yeah. This is Le- this is Le'Veon Bell, but. Le'Veon Bell was a, a totally different style of running back. That's Le'Veon a great, Bell, I'm glad you clarified that. I just meant as far as like capable, the capabilities the, of being the a, confident, game, a game breaker. Yeah, this is the Franco Not Harris, just straight downhill Jerome Bettis. Like he can do it in 17 different ways. Now, it's, it's tough now because running backs in terms of their shelf life and in terms of their shelf life with specific teams are much shorter than what they were in the past, right? Jerome Bettis, once he came to Pittsburgh, he was never going to leave. Franco Harris never should have left and signed with Seattle for that one year. It's unfortunate, but Franco Harris is remembered as a Steeler for life. Le'Veon Bell, not so much so. Le'Veon Bell only had a couple of years here, especially only a few years at his peak because he went out with injury one year in 2014, and he took some time a couple of years due to suspension to get actually acclimated into the, the starting lineup. With Najee Harris, I mean, you really hope you don't see any of those problems arise, but in terms of being providing value at at and as his number one draft pick position, you, the best thing you can hope for as a Steelers fan is these next four years to be really high volume, as many touches as you can bri- provide without burning him out too much, and just kind of setting the pace for future running backs in this franchise you want him to be the next great running back in this franchise well you got to kind of use him as much as you can while you have him you can't just expect running backs who hit that 30 year wall or maybe even 29 or 28 year wall harder than any other position so while you have him young and while you have him for cheap you got to use him and if that's all you can get out of him is that one four-year deal maybe a maybe a one two-year extension after that then you should feel pretty happy about it is it a little far-fetched for me to say that his offense in the NFL might have a little bit more college gimmicky things to it as opposed to what he was running in Alabama. Because that's a pretty pro-style offense that they run down in Alabama. And I'd say for the most part, that's going to get you really ahead of the curve when it comes to getting ready to adjust to the NFL style of offense. And Matt Canada is not running a college offense in the NFL. It's going to look majority like the NFL, but there's going to be some college aspects to it. And I wonder if maybe, you know, it'll be a little bit of an adjustment in that way for him where he's coming from such a strong pro-style offense, really the only team that runs a pro-style very successfully. And even Alabama shies away from it. I mean, when they had Tua, they would spread it out. Yeah, and they, and they would, would run read options but and then stuff you like got, that. But then you bring in Mac Jones, and it's, it's a completely different pro-style offense. Yeah, and right. But they've won national championships doing it both ways. Right. But I just wonder if Najee, you know, will be a little bit, you know, like, whoa, like – all this motion, like we didn't do that. All these jet sweeps, we didn't do that as much at Alabama as we are doing here in Pittsburgh. It's just I, I don't even know if that's really even a take that I have there. Just more of like a kind of an ironic thing that might happen to him is that, but he's again a focal point of that Canada offense. And one thing that I think 
he benefits from being at OTAs, working hard, and Ben being at OTAs is the development of him in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I think that you can really hit your stride if Mason Rudolph is handing you the ball off and you're just trying to really figure out the playbook as far as running the ball is concerned. But I think when you have that starting quarterback Ben there and he's been there the entire time, I, I think that it really helps break Najee into that passing yeah. aspect of the offense because that's where he can be the game breaker. That's where he can really bring something to the table that's been missing since Bell's departure because Connor never really had that so much so that they constantly looked in the middle of rounds of drafts for kind of a Swiss Army knife player that could come in and be that guy. Uh, Anthony McFarland, Jalen Samuels, yeah. neither of them really panning out. So you go back and you get the traditional running back who also has good pass catching skills. And you've seen one handed catches from him already in OTAs and he's yeah. impressed already. But yeah, I think the big thing that he can take away from these workouts is getting a leg up on learning the offensive playbook as far as the passing game is concerned. Right. And I think, you know, as we've talked about the passing game, like I, I mentioned the last time we did these episodes, like I'm really interested to see how Najee, you know, works in that, you know, does he split out wide like Lev Bell used to do? He did that a little bit in Alabama. And, um, you know, I, I think Tom, the point you brought up that I was, I'm really interested about is the, is the, you know, the aspect of kind of that college gimmicky style offense. And as weird as it might sound, um, Najee is coming from pretty much the only one of the only places in you know college football where gimmicks aren't really you know done and, and a gimmicky motion style offense isn't really the norm. I mean, you look everywhere else, that's kind of how it works. You know, there's read options everywhere, there's triple options, all that stuff. Not to say that the NFL is becoming that, but it is becoming more gimmicky. It's becoming more motion based. I mean, you look at the Chiefs. How many times have we talked about the Chiefs? You know, any given play, they have four or five guys in motion. You know, there are guys moving around all over the place. That's where where football is going. And for Najee, it's going to be weird coming from, like you said, a, a pro-style offense that, you know, one of the only pro-style offenses really in, in, in college football that you really see consistently. All of a sudden, you know, he might, you know, be a little culture shock. But I'm really excited to see what he does with it, you know, how he approaches that kind of offense because I think he can feast in it. I think, you know, obviously the Steelers believe that he can or they wouldn't have, you know, taken him with, with that sort of uh, draft capital. Yeah, and I think he's going to be okay in terms of a culture shocker, playbook learning uh, process ability. I think he'll be okay. This is a guy who clearly knows football well. And I think the biggest testament to that, to that opinion of him is the fact that he was – he saw a flaw in his game. And he decided to return to school rather than just say, I'm going to go to the pros and wor- and, and, and get my money, and I don't care what it takes. I'm going to get my money, and I don't care about winning championships in Alabama. I don't care about improving myself and my game. But he, he did that. And how many times have you seen players across both college basketball and college football Say, if I'm going to be in the draft, if I'm going to be draft eligible, if someone can take me, I'm just going to go. I don't care if I'm ready. The better way to learn is to play with the pros. But he said, let me get better to even increase my value. So I think that if you want to understand who Najee Harris is, all you have to do is point to that moment when he said, I'm going to return to Alabama. Now, of course, Alabama is the ideal place to return to to learn under Nick Saban. But how many guys do we see year after year after year go to Alabama and go to the draft? And some pan out and some don't. But this is a guy who is going to come from Alabama as a running back, 
following in the footsteps of Derrick Henry, and and it, had he not returned, he probably would have been a higher draft pick. Maybe not number one, a number one over uh, number one round draft pick, but probably a number two guy. But because he went back, because he improved his game, he became that first round capital, as Kellen coined, and. I think that's a huge testament to who he is. And I think that in terms of the culture shock, in terms of the playbook learning ability, I think he's going to be okay because this is a guy who understands how to learn, how to practice, how to prepare. One other rookie that Ben Roethlisberger is breaking in at OTAs is Kendrick Green. And in the Steelers photo gallery, you can see Ben taking some snaps out of shotgun and a little under center from Kendrick Green. And guys, I, I think that in Tomlin's mind, I think Kendrick Green's already the starter. I don't yeah. think that he would come out and say that to Kendrick. I don't think that he would come out and say that to the media until at least a couple weeks into training camp. But I think right now, as he's walking around the practice field, watching workouts and OTAs and seeing Ben snap the ball, seeing Kendrick Green take reps with the first team offense or even the second team offense, I think he looks at that guy and he says, I don't I'm not putting my best player on the field unless he's our starting center this year. And I'm not putting our best offensive line on the field unless he's the starting center between Dotson and DeCastro. So I think that obviously you still need to quote unquote earn it. And it's a position that a, a starting job that wouldn't be handed out until you get to training camp since you are a rookie. But yeah, I think one of the worst kept secrets, if it even is a secret, is that Kendrick Green is on the fast track to being that starting mm-hmm. center. I don't think Hassenauer or Finney really have much of a no. shot to catch him. Uh, I think the only thing that would have him not being the guy snapping the ball to Ben Roethlisberger week one of the season would be injury. Yeah, injury or, you know, if something really hits the fan at, at camp and he can't figure it out. He can't I, figure I out how to run the playbook. Right. Like something I, weird. Like I don't that. see that happening, but that's, you know, one of the only possibilities I can think of in which um Kendrick Green, KG is uh as as Ben called him. Um I don't I He's already got a nickname for him. He's right. totally gonna be the starter. Right. Like, I mean, not to read too much into that, but I think that's a good point. You know, I I don't know. I, I just when you look at it, there, there's gonna have to be a real big collapse by by Kendrick Green in order to not you know what I mean to not be the starter um and I think he will be um I mean uh, so many people said that they thought that the Steelers got you know one of the steals of the draft taking him in the third round you know and if your third rounder becomes a you our know, own a Tom starter, Offerman said it's his favorite pick it's favorite, favorite pick. pick right and I mean it, it, so many people too has said that it's the key to the to the draft you know it's the key if if Green pans out all of a sudden you know the draft the question marks that some people had about the draft aren't warranted anymore um, you know well, why did you wait till the third round well it doesn't matter because he's a starter you know if he plays well um, it doesn't matter whether you took him in the fifth round tenth round or first round it doesn't matter um, you know if he's the starter. Um, week one, which we all assume that he's going to be, barring you know some sort of you know cataclysmic, or cataclysmic, um, you know screw up or, or, or not being able to learn the playbook, but by Green, I mean it's going to be his to lose, and I, I really think it's that it's at that point now. Obviously, like you said, Tom, that's not set in stone, and Tomlin isn't going to say that to anybody, but I think it, it's about as set in stone as it can be. Definitely, it definitely can be, and. I just don't understand why there are people out there saying, well, you still have B.J. Finney, someone who's familiar with the playbook, someone who's familiar with Ben, someone who's been a, not necessarily the number one starter, but a player, a, a guy who's seen reps, and he's the better option just because of his veteran nature. That's I, great. He can be a great backup. 
That's exactly my opinion, Tom. I don't understand why people are saying because he's the veteran, he deserves the spot. Because Kendrick Green is unproven, it's B.J. Finney's spot to lose, not 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 the opposite, not Kendrick Green's to lose. I don't see the logic in it. A couple of other guys that descended onto the south side for OTAs uh, day four this week. Chase Claypool was in the house. So was Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju has pink hair now. How about that? Cool. Great. Pink hair Juju. Kellen and I both gave the most melodramatic, cool. monochromatic. I think it looks cool. He, wa- he wants to be DK Metcalf so bad. But Juju and Chase Claypool, the top receivers on the team at OTAs. Uh, no Deontay Johnson sighting yet, at least as far as from the pictures that I'm looking at right now and the reports from the practices. But you got Juju, you got Chase Claypool. Are they going to try to roll as those two as they're one and two this year? I know that Deontay probably will have something to say about that. He's an incredibly dynamic receiver. Maybe his skill set is more suited towards the slot, but you also might be able to say that about Juju, which puts you in a little bit of a tough spot between those two. But it kind of feels, and maybe I'm just reading too much into this excitement I'm getting from seeing them on the field together, but I think that the offense this year will roll number one, 1A, 1B, let's say that, because they're not going to really be a clear 1 and 2. But I think Claypool and Juju are going to be the guy. I think they want to establish more of top dog kind of guys this year because, you know, they tried to do the throw the kitchen sink, we can beat you with a 1,000 different people last year, and that resulted in a lot of drops happening. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go with their two most sure-handed receivers more often than not this year. And, I mean, one thing you have to say about Juju and, I mean, I know Claypool had a couple drops last year, but he really didn't have a case of the drops because – and also he's a rookie. But, I mean, the one thing about Juju last year was he really did not catch that bug at all no. from the other receiving core. So, knock him far as off-the-field stuff. If you think he's taken a step back as far as an out playing on the outside since losing A.B. as his running mate, that's fine too. But you can't knock Juju's hands. He's got some strong hands and – really so reliable and i just feel like they think the same with chase claypool he's going to be very reliable and that you'll see a majority of the targets and a majority of the offensive snaps going to 19 and 11 on the steelers offense this year yeah i mean i think that's wouldn't fair. be surprised if deontay's on the bench more than he has been in the past couple of seasons and, and they he, only go with the two receivers with two tight ends jumbo package because they want to run the ball too so all i'm saying is i wouldn't be surprised if the majority of the snaps go to 19 and 11, and it's not always three or four receivers on the field. Yeah, and I mean, when you're running under center, too, I think that's right, part of it. Right, Um And again, like you said, I mean, would I be surprised? You know if, what? You paid Derek Watt, so you might as well run some I-formation yeah, as well. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're not going to pay him that much to be a special teams guy. I mean, right. He wasn't, he was fine at specials last year, don't get me wrong, but you're not going to pay him just for that, so you might as well use him a little bit. I hear you there. Um, and if you go jumbo package, single wide receiver, you've got such a good blocking receiver in Juju to be right. that single wide receiver. Yeah. So it honestly, I know they've got one of the deepest cores. Less might be more for the Steelers offense when it comes to deploying those wide receivers. Yeah. And then when you're in the third and six, third and seven, spread them out. James sure. is out there. Uh, maybe split Najee out. Deontay's in the slot. You know, it gives teams a bunch of different looks. It's going to be harder to play against. No, it is. I mean, there's no question. And Ben talked about that in his availability with the media. Like, this is a really special group of wide receivers. And he's not lying when he says that. That's just, 
you know, that's not uh, just the, the the right thing to say when you're the starting quarterback. You know, everybody praised their wide receivers, of course, but that's the truth when you look at this wide receiving group. I mean, from top to bottom, you know, Deontay, Juju, Claypool, and James Washington, and, you know, uh, Gregory McLeod, too. Uh, again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he's on that level, but when he's your worst guy, it's not that bad of a situation to be in. It's a pretty darn good situation um, for the Steelers wide receivers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it is Claypool and Juju, you know, the one and the two. But like we talked about last year, you know, do you really need a one and two? I mean, if, for as good as that group is, you know, is there a such thing as a number one or a number two? Maybe not. Maybe not, but at least they have the option, right? And something that I w- was considering when you're going one receiver out there to kind of just hone in on the run as a block, but you got to look at the tight ends too, and that could cause problems in terms of those formations because you don't have a, a guaranteed tight tight end who can block for you. So maybe that's why you see more two tight end sets than you would single. But again, I don't even know. Yeah, you 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 guys are saying one A one B. But I, it, it sounds to me like it's going to be the same narrative next year as it was last year where no guy is going to actually be able to say, okay, I'm going to step up. Not that, they, not that they're not going to make that effort, but I think they're all pretty much, I mean, in terms of capability, they all have different games, right? Juju is the dependent short yardage type of, type of guy. Deontay is the guy that can make and break and just put a defender on his feet or on, on the ground and break away but but Claypool is the standard or the typical deep big threat that Ben loves to throw to so I think when you have three receivers who are all very good and very talented in their own skill sets it's going to make it harder for one guy to stand out above the others yeah I completely agree with what you're saying there um one last thing that you want to talk about with OTAs when you're looking through this stuff the backup quarterback position, I think it's going to be more important this year than most years. And it is a very important position for the most part in the NFL. Ben's getting old, though. And knock on wood, there might be a couple games where he has to sit out because he got injured this year. I mean, yeah. it's it happened was, before. Last year was honestly more of an outlier where he mm-hmm. didn't have to sit out. I mean, so you're going to have to have the backup play. Is there a chance in your minds that Dwayne Haskins might jump Mason, or is it such a solid spot as far as Mason's standing in the depth chart? And is that only confirmed by the Steelers signing him to a one-year extension that they want him to be the number two guy? And it's really just, can Haskins force us to cut Dobbs is what we're looking at here. Well, I think that's the most likely option. Um I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we've heard good things, you know, about Haskins. That's what I'm so saying. Far. That's the only reason I bring it up is because people say he looks really good at these OTs. And I've heard he's he's dropped weight and he you know he looks like looks he's great in, shape, in the pictures, yeah. Um, which is a, a positive, a positive, I should say. And and again, you know, I, I know that you know the Steelers signed uh, Mason to that one year deal, and some people kind of made a, a big deal about it, and one way or the other. But at the end of the day, that's really just for next year, like. Okay, you're gonna need a quarterback. You're gonna need leaves. a quarterback, and if Ben retires and Mason is your starter you next don't year, get someone in the draft, right? I mean, and you're only paying Mason like a million dollars. That's a really good spot to be for just a quarterback. You don't know who's gonna be available next year in the market no, either. You have so no idea. It's just 
it's it's honestly like putting an insurance payment down. Which yeah. is why which is why the Steelers have no plan on taking this year, taking next year because like they feel confident in their ability to find someone, whether he's Mister Perfect or not, they can find someone to right. Fill those you have if you go out and you get someone better next year, that's great, Mason. You don't need to play him, but you right. just need to have that insurance policy so you don't end up with like a Duck Hodges yeah. all of a sudden. Right. It just depends on if it is Mason who will get the start whether it's this season if Ben goes down or next season when Ben won't be here, it's which Mason Rudolph will you see? You don't know. We've seen him in flashes, both good and bad, but never consistent. And it just depends on is is he going to be Mr. Inconsistent or is he going to choose I'm going to be a starter, I I could be a starter, or is he going to just be the guy that's the perennial backup? Well, we've got some housekeeping to do here on Steelers Standard. Uh, week back on some of our episodes, and you can check these episodes out at Steelers.com. Uh, Pro Football Focus did position rankings for every single position on the offense and defensive side of the ball. We were supposed to give you the cornerbacks and the safeties right after we wrapped up the episodes doing the rest of the defense. Just slipped our minds. There's a lot of Steelers stuff to talk about, but on our next episode, we'll talk cornerback rankings and safety rankings, the top 32, according to Pro Football Focus, around the league. Steelers on both of those lists. Just a little spoiler alert, but tune into the next episode to find out where they fall and if there maybe are a little bit of a snub from either list. That's on the next episode of Steelers Standard. Thanks for listening to this episode. For Jacob Brecht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Offerman, and we'll talk to you next time.